Tandem Nomads, episode 29. I think figuring out what truly makes you happy and finding a way to incorporate that into your life is going to help you immensely. But you really have to know yourself. It took me a long time to... I'm still accepting that I have to work and be busy and that comes at an expense sometimes, but ultimately makes me happier. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, where inspiring expat partners from around the world share with you how they turn the challenges of relocation into great opportunities. So are you following your partner abroad for his or her career? Then Tandem Nomads is the place for you. Go to tandemnomads.com and sign up for the newsletter. Hello, Nomad Nation. This is Amel Deregui, and our guest today is Marcel Yeager. Marcel, are you ready for the ride? I'm ready. Marcel is American and lives in Chile. Prior to that, she and her family also lived in Uzbekistan and Russia. When they first relocated, she started taking jobs and doing some freelance work and then progressively built her two businesses. Marcel's background is in strategic communication. Today, she manages two companies while moving from a country to another, Korea Valley and Serving Talent. Korea Valley helps people looking for a job to perfect their resume and adapt it to their career goals. And Serving Talent is specifically designed to help military spouses find a job and build their own professional success while moving from a country to another. So this is really interesting, Marcel. I would love to know more about you. Is there anything I missed and what's happening actually in your life today? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so really, Career Valley, I started because when my husband um, became a diplomat several years ago, I had just finished my MBA and had was very happy in my job in communications. And I thought, if we're going to be doing this kind of life and moving around every few years, I have to have something or I'll drive him crazy. <laughs> and that's why it was sort of the kick finally to me to get started on my own business, something I always wanted to do growing up. Um, and then Serving Talent is a bit more recent. Uh, we just began it with a partner that I met here in Santiago, who's also American, but is a military spouse. Um, we started it together to, you know, to kind of fix this challenge that unfortunately many spouses face moving around so often mm -hmm. to continue their professional career, as you said, Amal. Yeah. And so... We've built a great foundation. We look forward to hopefully um, getting many people placed this coming year. Tell me more about you or about uh, how you got to start this life. Sure. Um, I think when I, growing up, we actually had a, an exchange student uh, live with us for one summer from Bosnia. And I always point to that as sort of the beginning of my love of travel and exploration around the world. Um, I was a teenager in high school at the time in the United States, and she completely opened my world, and she remains one of my dearest friends to this day. And I just kind of felt from that point, like, if she can do that, I can survive in other places and difficult situations as she had. And um, I think that's what led me to study languages in college. And then From there, actually go to Russia the following two years after graduation. Um, and that was actually with my now spouse. So we've been together for quite some time now. Um, 
we went there together to work for two years and then returned to the U.S. And the Foreign Service was something he always wanted to do. And we talked about it over the years, and he kept thinking he didn't want to disrupt my career, and that's why he held off. And then I think once we, you know, were about thinking about starting a family and having children and that we wanted them to learn languages also and explore and feel comfortable um, in different places and teach them that from a young age, we thought, well, let's just see. And so he actually took the test thinking he wouldn't pass. And each progressive step of the um, of the way he passed, and and that's what happened. And so to the very last minute, um, he wouldn't sign the offer because he was afraid to take me from my job that I was happy in. Uh, but in the final, <laughs> on the final day he sent it, we decided that we should go ahead and try it, and if we didn't like it, we would return. But so far, we haven't returned, and it's now been almost five years. And we, But we did say, in 10 years, will we be happy just having stayed here? And we both said, you know, we need to try it. We need to at least give it a try so we don't wonder or regret not trying it. Mm. And if we don't like it, we, you can always make a change. Nothing is set in stone. It's so true. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting because you mentioned many times how it was your husband who was refraining from taking this this assignment because he didn't want to disrupt your career. And yes, how come? How would you explain the fact that your your husband was so concerned? He knows that I need to be busy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I've always. Um, I think he would just classify me probably as crazy, but um, ambitious and driven as well. And he understands after, I mean, knowing me, now it's been over 15 years. So he's known me from college and for quite a long time. And I think he knows that I can't sit still. So even with, you know, we moved to Tashkent when my daughter, my oldest daughter was 10 months old. And, you know, I love to have the time with her, but also time for my professional side. Mm. I think he understands it's a part of me that I just can't let go, no matter what, or no matter how guilty I feel sometimes with not having enough time some weeks for activities with the kids. It's it's such a part of me that I can't let it go. Yeah. Um, okay. And I think he understood that for me, having a connection back to the U.S. and to my career that I had was important so once you made a decision what happened how did you experience it when suddenly you were uh, you quit your job and I think by then you went to Uzbekistan right yes um, how was it for you at first it was exciting because it was the nice part was that I knew Russian which is what most people in the capital speak um, although Uzbek is, of course, a native language, um, I could get around fairly easily. Um, I found a very quick support network and a very good friend who I'm still close with, who's actually a military spouse. <laughs> um, and we kind of just found out we had a lot in common and began to explore. And we would go to museums and parks and take the kids out and 
and do different things. So I felt very comfortable quickly. But I would say she left only about two or three months after that, unfortunately, when we had first arrived. And that was a difficult time Mm -hmm. for me. Um, I hadn't started working yet at the embassy, so I didn't make as many connections as I might have liked. And it felt a bit isolated. And, of course, it's a country that's so far away from home. Uh, And the time difference made it a bit difficult as well. Um, But I think that working actually is what got me through and also having that the business with the connection back to my partner in the United States definitely um, and focusing on clients and partnerships there really helped me stay grounded. So how did you start it and how did you implement it? Uh, great question. So I was when I was finishing my MBA part-time while working before we left um, for the first assignment, I had done an independent research project um, to sort of explore this idea of what would I do when we go abroad, knowing that we were going at that point. And, um, you know, what kind of portable career could I have? I read a lot of books and spoke to people and did research. And this one question always stood out in my mind, which was, what would I do for free? And I would speak to some friends and my husband about it and family And finally realized that for years I had been advising people on career navigation, on resumes, salaries, um, professional development issues, etc. And so I started to pull together a very basic business plan with some ideas um, about starting a resume writing type of business. And literally the week before we left for Uzbekistan, we'd already moved out of our house. I was sitting with these two colleagues in a coffee shop uh, from the company I was leaving, and one of them said, when I mentioned the, you know, the idea and we started talking, she said it was an area that she was also very interested in, and she would like to do it together if I was willing. Mm. And that's how it began, and then I <laughs> left literally one week later, and, and we started it from a distance, which actually worked fairly well. Um, and she's since left due to her full-time job. It's just too much to take on, but it's grown quite significantly, I would say, in the past two years or so. So you're talking, this is Career Valley, right? Yes. The company you started. So what does it do? So we provide, basically, it's not a career coaching business. It's um, to help you get in the door for interviews and job offers, ultimately, of course. So anything from LinkedIn profile writing to resume writing and cover letters, um, we kind of do all of that. And part of that is advising on the job search technique. Uh, Mainly our client base is in the United States. However, we do have many, have served locals and expats in different countries across across the world. but it's generally, you know, for people targeting work in English-speaking countries, I would say, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, foreign companies in multinational companies mm-hmm. in any location, really. Interesting. And then you started serving talent. Yes. How did that happen? <laughs> um, it's actually related. So I see a common thread through a lot of my career. Uh, 
I had worked with my partner Maggie for Serving Talent here on her resume. Um, she had heard about me from another client I had had, and we did work on her resume because um, her company was purchased and she was going to be looking for a new job. And then after we had done that work, we were having coffee one day and um, brainstorming some business ideas she's had over the years and others that I've played with and sort of put aside for a while and discovered that we both have this passion for trying to help military and government, you know, trailing partners or traveling partners <laughs> is better term <laughs> to find um, and continue professions and not just find a one-off job, but actually be able to continue their career as she had done for about eight years or so, I believe, with her previous company through telework. Um, so that's, yeah, that's how it, it began. You must be in contact with a lot of, in this case, military spouses and partners who who quit their jobs and their career to follow their husbands or we've we only started in at the end of August of um, 2015 and we've built a very large database already of resumes and candidates and found that over one-third of our candidates have a master's degree or higher it's a very professional oriented population yeah. and um, they're highly we have, skilled very highly yes. skilled people and And they end up, you know, sometimes not being able to continue their aspirations. Their yes. Yeah. Um, and that's something, too. It's it's kind of helping. So it's two-sided. It's What we're finding we're doing is helping the spouses realize that they bring a lot to the table and try to, again, you know, transfer some of those skills, even if they've only volunteered for a time, you know, translate those. Mm -hmm. so that the companies can understand them. And, and a lot of them react by saying, oh, my resume is terrible, or I've had a terrible career as a result of this. And it's almost, you have to take that negativity and turn it into a positive to help them become employed. And then, this, as I was saying before, the second challenge is really getting the employers to understand mm -hmm. what this population has to offer. And that You don't have to pay relocation costs because, yeah. if the, you know, if the, it's easy, right? They're yeah. moving with um, the government or um, on their own volition. So, if people ask you what do you do and why you're here, how would you summarize it in 10 seconds? As a spouse, um, and we're finding this through the company too, when you, people don't generally think that we do anything. So, <laughs> right? I'm this sure is why I asked this question. <laughs> yeah. And it's for me, it's incredibly frustrating. So that's why I try to throw in, you know, the work aspect. Because usually, yeah, it's, um, I guess, you know, when you're the woman too, they kind of assume that you're the traveling one, even though it's not always the case anymore. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they'll ask me, you know, oh, why are you here? And, and I'll say that it's for my husband's job. And sometimes the conversation somehow never even gets to do you do something? Because either, I don't know, either people are uncomfortable to ask or assume. Um, so I always find it difficult to tell people, but I try because what's been a bit frustrating um, with this life for me is, is that, and that like I found 
in even in just the embassy community, we don't always know what everyone does. Um, and I, I've encouraged to do kind of like spouse fairs and things because you find out that people make crafts or do work, you know, or research from abroad and, and maybe there's partnerships or ways to work together or share ideas. And I think sometimes as a partner, people are afraid to show their personal goals and Mm. professional side um, or personal side. Um, I think that there's some fear of judgment sometimes. Like I know, I mean, as a parent, I I can see this sometimes, you know, there's the people always seemingly defending staying home Mm. with the kids and, and, and then, so some people I think feel like they don't want to get into that argument about why they continued a career of some kind. And then other people I've found feel expats feel like they don't match up to someone else, um, in terms of what they've done or are doing and then others are kind of confused I think they've explored different ideas or tried one thing that didn't work then tried another and just can't find that single thing that that they can do to continuously to make them Mm -hmm. fulfilled um, personally or professionally so I yeah I think there's some insecurity and also a feeling like you mentioned before that you're doing this for your spouse or partner mm-hmm. and that's what's important, right? And that's the primary job and you kind of come Along. secondary yeah, to that, <laughs> which yeah. shouldn't be the case anymore, but it's 2016, yeah. but unfortunately. Interesting. So what yeah. would you respond to somebody who tells you or tries to make you feel guilty that you're working and not, you know, staying at home with the kids. And I mean, I'm sure you take care very well of your kids, but if somebody challenges you with that, what would you respond? I, (laughs) that's a good one. I, um, (laughs) I've had been in similar experiences and myself, and usually I just tell people that it's, I've, as I've gotten older, I've learned that I need that, that I'm a better, happier person Mm -hmm. when I have the time to dedicate to my own passions. And I actually am happy for my children to see that, you know, mom sometimes has to go to work, do a phone call at an inconvenient time, or, you know, she's needs to exercise. And I, or go see friends, you know, take the time to do things that make me happy because I've seen it myself. Um, when things are going well, professionally, I tend to just notice that I'm more present and happier with them when I play. And, yeah. 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 Happy, you know, a happy mom is happy kids. And, exactly. And a happy husband, obviously, <laughs> too. <laughs> exactly. And I, and it's still a struggle. I'm not going to say it's, Definitely, it's not 100% perfect, but I read something recently, and I believe it was um, Michelle Obama that was talking about why she had continued work through, mm-hmm. you know, raising children, and that, you know, she finally realized that work kind of makes her who she is, and that's her choice, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm struggling to be okay with that, too, but 
that's where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it, it depends on certain communities. You have certain communities where you have pressure for not working and others where you have pressure for working. I know that for in New York, for instance, if I didn't work, I think I would feel out of place. Yes. Uh, because uh, here it's like everybody asks you right away, uh, what do you do? You know, besides yes. being with your husband. I even been told once, uh, what do you do besides being the first lady? <laughs> Oh boy! I was like, oh, very good question. <laughs> uh, it's oh. very interesting, you know. So there's, I think, depending on which communities and which countries, there are different types of vision. But it definitely, we we're always in between, and whether we work or not. And this is why this question is so important for me, and I ask it to every expat partner because I'm really interested in how we answer this question: What do you do, or who you are? You know, um, yes. Depending on the countries, we ask the question differently, but it's. It's very interesting, I find. It is. So how do you support each other, your, your husband and you and, and, and your family with your kids? Um, how do you take yourself through the process from a country to another? To be honest, really, he, since I'm the, what he would call the organizer, mm -hmm. um, it's really, it's, I feel that it's mainly me that does the... Mm -hmm. The actual, you know, portion, portion about moving. Yeah. The pieces he takes care of are, of course, the logistical pieces through his work that, mm -hmm. that I'm not um, involved in, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I think it's a matter of um, doing it slow. I mean, I, what I learned from the, I guess, the second move we did, I started to do this, which was to start early and you know a couple of months before and I just kind of start putting things aside or together that I want you know um ship together and prepare myself in that way and even before that for instance we're going back to the U.S. uh for several years um in the summer and I've already started figuring out school things for the kids because as you know in the U.S. that fills up very quickly mm. um, so some of those you know type of really important things I start many months in advance and then the more move logistical pieces I do a couple of months before so that it's not as overwhelming mm -hmm. and I found about moving especially but every aspect of my life if something is bothering me I try to do it very quickly or as quickly as I can I've realized that tackling those things that that are troubling um, just end up making me happier. <laughs> so with anything to do with a move. And emotionally, we just talk a lot, as much as we can, which is hard with two young children. But um, mm -hmm. we've talked about the uncertainties of the move, uh, living back in our very small house again. Um, everything, you know, how it's not going to be as easy, even though it's home. Yeah. Repatriation is quite, kind of different. Especially, yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But then the, there's comfort in the familiar things as well. And also even these moves kind of bring us further forward and we even discuss things about you know well what if this happens when we go back or this or that and okay we'll we'll be open to discussing that so 
I think that's important to both of us too, is that we've decided that if this ever isn't right for one or both of us mm. or for the kids, that we'll discuss a different option. Yeah. Um, that's 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 yeah. important, I guess, you know, to, to talk about it and, and even prepare in advance, say, yeah, if this is not going to work for one of us, then we'll have to take some measures and exactly. but at least try it out and see where it takes us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. So, You've been in a lot of different countries, South America, Asia, Chile now, and Uzbekistan, Russia, and you're from America. Is there like one particular culture shock that you had or a culture misunderstanding? I think the biggest one that stands out in my mind, although there were many, um, was in Uzbekistan. And again, from my work there, this became very evident from my work at the embassy, was that... I had never lived somewhere where I really felt the opposite of freedom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I hate to, I'm not saying this to be critical, but I think even, you know, my colleagues there would agree. And a lot of the students that I met living in a dictatorship was a very different experience. I just hadn't realized what it feels like to be kind of so controlled. And I met so many fascinating, creative people there. And what was very hard for me to accept was that it was almost impossible to get out. Mm -hmm. And um, the feeling that, you know, you can't protest if you don't agree with something because you might be in danger Mm -hmm. or um, this type of thing as an American was fascinating and a bit scary and disappointing (laughs) to see um, because a lot of people there, I think, are completely capable of developing some amazing things and really progressing but unfortunately things kind of going the other way i know that especially when as an american it must be also difficult to come and say oh this you know this is not okay or how did you (laughs) communicate about this frustration and did you communicate it at all while you were there yes like a lot of i think because a lot of the my colleagues um from there working at the embassy were very, had been exposed to internationally, whether it was just travel or a study abroad experience or of some kind or a program, you know, travel program. Um, A lot of them were willing to speak about it. Um, So if they spoke about it, I would feel comfortable, you know, engaging in a conversation. But if not, you kind of just, you know, let it go. But what I I was lucky enough to meet many locals even outside of work. And honestly, they would feel comfortable talking to me, I think, because they knew I was American and I was there only temporarily. So they were okay with discussing some of their frustrations. But you could always tell there was some hesitation, right? Like, you know, I'm not going to criticize too much. You know, it's very Mm. like a vague conversation usually we also don't want to put our local friends in danger sometimes asking them too many questions and getting them to express too too directly their opinion just in case especially if you're in an open space with a lot of other people yes i I know from my experience in living in other dictatorships is that we all i've always tried to like find a way to discuss this because this is the great thing about traveling the world is that we can really be where things are happening and discussing Mm -hmm. it for real but then there's this limit, you know, how much can I discuss it and talk about it without putting in danger my local Exactly. Friends, you know? Exactly. And that was a challenge, too, because I think 
that we would have become closer. I mean, we were close to some people and, and colleagues, but I think it could have been a stronger relationship had that not been the case, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But they were afraid, of course, and rightly so, to be too close to Americans. So, so what yeah. have you learned from all of these? I mean, you've been going through very difficult countries, but at the same time you've managed to build your business and, and uh, you had some obviously some frustrations with your own you know path but how what have you learned so far from all of this the biggest thing is uh, i've learned is that you've got to see the humor and the positive mm. parts of every place mm-hmm. um now i would say that's my biggest piece of advice is some things may seem terribly difficult but someday you'll probably laugh about them yeah and you've got to try to see the the humor in some of it. Yeah, I def- definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah. I think figuring out what truly makes you happy and finding a way to incorporate that into your life is going to help you immensely. Um, but you really have to know yourself. You know, mm-hmm. it took it took me a long time to, like I've said, I'm still accepting that I have to work and be busy, and that comes at an expense sometimes, mm-hmm. but ultimately makes me happier. Yeah. Um, another thing is exercise helps with the mental, um, you know, perspective yeah. and you can't always do it or fit it in when you have a family and, and so many things going on, but whatever you can do that, that you love, if you, um, yeah. I've found dance classes where we've lived and haven't done it continuously for the number of years we've been in a place, but that's also made me happy just to be able to find a piece of my past in a new culture has been really fun as well. Yeah, that's great because I do believe that it's very important to try to build some kind of uh, stability and habits that we can take with us. And, yes. And exercising, I believe, is really, or sports or dancing, anything that can be practiced anywhere, I think it, it's it's very important to have a bit of stability while we're going through these huge transitions that's exactly why i say like Mm. figuring out what makes you happy because that's kind of your stable comfortable place Mm. and like you said you can take it anywhere before we say goodbye are you ready for the spinning round okay (laughs) so what are your plans for the coming two years (laughs) that's a big question (laughs) um so obviously continue to you know build my businesses um and also, I really would like to get back into dance more. Now that I just mentioned that, I haven't done as much as I would like. Um, and we're also planning to build on our house. So those are some, you know, personal goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, again, like I said, the professional ones would be, as I just mentioned, just to grow the businesses more and network with more folks. And would you have a book that you could recommend to Tandem Nomads? One book I read last year was Overwhelmed, Work, Love, and Play When No One Has the Time. Okay, that's interesting. Have you read that? No, I love the title. So Overwhelmed, Work, Play, and? Work, Love, and Play When No One Has the Time. It's written by a Washington Post reporter named Bridget Schulte. And um, she's been doing a lot of research on work balance and the man versus woman, you know, typical picture kind of as we were talking before who has the traditional roles and why and how can we change that conversation and have more men staying at home and companies understanding you know that 
things are changing and, and progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, it's not particularly related, you know, specifically to this type of life, but I think it's an important reminder that sometimes you have to be present and take a step back from, from where you are in your life and realize that you've got to make space for those things that make you happy. And so what would be the best way to find you, Marcel? <laughs> LinkedIn is a pretty stable platform for me, so I can be found on there. Uh, my websites are careervalet.com mm-hmm. and servingtalent.com. Okay. So, so career valet is for resume. Con- basically, you yes. can tell people to write effective resumes. And yes. serving talent is to help uh, military spouses find a job when they move abroad with their husbands. Right? Yes, it can be military or government. So government. there's a lot of any you know government spouses, like with the Commerce Department, State Department, U.S. Um, Agency for International Development, any kind of traveling spouse in this life. Those are some ways. And then I do write a weekly uh, career-focused blog for U.S. News is on Careers blog. Oh, okay. Um, which is every Thursday. And uh, the it's just called On Careers U.S. News. Okay, wonderful. Well, Nomad Nation, please check out uh, Marcel's episode shown on page. I will put in all the information regarding her website and the articles she's writing on U.S. News. So, Marcel, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to share your story with us. It was really great to do this with you. Thank you, Amal. Same here. It was a pleasure speaking with you, and thank you for the invitation. To connect with other expert partners from around the world and share great inspiration and tips together, join us on our private Facebook group. Go to facebook.com and join Tandem Nomad Group.